and welcome to another episode of Time Buster Training. This is a series to inform you and inspire you on your fitness journey. So today I've got Rick Moylan with me. Hi Rick, how are you doing? Hi Stuart, you okay? Yeah, I've known Nick, Rick, ah, oh, sorry what, I won't call you Nick. Let's do that again, shall we? <laughs> Let's go again. <coughs> Especially the bit where you're saying how long you've known me. Say that again, sorry? Go on, don't matter. Go on. Yeah, because I was saying, I, you know, internal voice kicks in. It was like, well, it's definitely been a year. And I was thinking, nobody, nobody cares. <laughs> right, okay, here we go. Hello and welcome to Time Buster Training. This is a series to inform you and inspire you on your fitness journey. So today we are speaking to Rick Moylan. Rick, how are you doing? Hi Stuart, I'm well. How are you? Good, not too bad, thanks. So we're going to be talking to industry experts, which is definitely um, what Rick is. We're going to talk to Time Buster trainers and we're talking to people that I've had the privilege to be part of their fitness journey. So we've got 20 minutes, you know the format, I've got my traditional Casio watch here, stop, start, reset, that's all you need as a personal trainer. So I'm gonna start the watch. Rick, just start off with, just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your fitness journey and what you're currently doing now. Uh, yeah, so uh, first off, hi to everyone who's, who's listening. My name is Rick. Um, my journey as a as a I think even before I qualified, it started because like a lot of young guys and young girls, I, I wanted to be an athlete. I wanted to be a sports person. And for a number of different reasons, I, I think it, you know, I had a bit of talent, but then it didn't quite happen for me. So I always kind of wanted to, uh, if I couldn't play a sport, I kind of wanted to you know, be involved in sport and working sport and health and fitness and whatnot, you know. So about 20 years ago now, I, I, I you know, got college, uh, went to college, got myself qualified at a very basic level um, to begin with. And, uh, and I went down the route of working as a fitness instructor for a little period of time, whereby I kind of walked into the job thinking that I, you know, you know sort of knew it all and was going to, make these big changes to people's lives and whatnot like that. And I, and I found myself then, you know, cleaning, changing rooms and handing out towels and, I've been there. and, and <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and doing me a bit of lifeguard duty in and, and whatnot like that. And, and, uh, you know, and I, and just, you know, so we're clear, I, I'm glad I did that. I was part of my journey, you know, so I, I anyway, I, so I kind of went back to university, uh, got myself, got myself a degree and uh, I like many things, I think probably from that point on, I, I kind of just sort of, I kind of sort of just sort of, I've arrived at what I've done, you know, and, and uh, I was working uh, part-time at a gym called LA Fitness, which was based in Manchester. Uh, they were predominantly a London-based company. They'd moved up to Manchester and uh, the opportunity presented itself for me to become a personal trainer with with them. Um I was the only personal trainer in the gym in Manchester. I was the only personal trainer in Manchester City Centre. At that time, there was very much a kind of thing of that personal training wouldn't work in Manchester. Um, and, I, and I was very, very determined. I'd, I'd, you know, I'd played football and I'd done a little bit of combat sports and, I, and I've always kind of given my all in everything I've done. And um, so, I, you know, I kind of made a lot of mistakes. Um, learn from those mistakes and and, and on I went um, you know kind of training people one on one 
I then started heading up a growth program where I was recruiting other trainers and training them up uh, on behalf of the company. I ended up with uh, over 120 personal trainers working underneath me at one point. Uh, and our gyms spanned from, you know, Carlisle, uh, obviously, in, you know, up towards the borders of Scotland, right down to Cambridgeshire. And that was the sort of area that, that I, I was responsible uh, alongside another chap to, to look after. Um, at that point, I, I, I was always, you know, passionate, as I say, about sport and whatnot like that. I was working with a young tennis player who was kind of eight or nine years old who had a lot of talent. I wasn't getting paid to work with him. Uh, and that was the same with a couple of young boxers as well. Um, same as I was just kind of helping them out. They were about to turn professional. Um, and, and that was kind of my first steps into the world of working with athletes, really, which is probably what I'm maybe most well known for now. Yeah, fantastic. So you've just reminded me about a few things that I remember from when I started in the fitness industry. So yeah, it's everybody's got quite a similar path, haven't they? And then you kind of, there's a big churnover of personal trainers of do you find your direction or they spit you out. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you, you've done. So you, you've done quite a few things, haven't you? And you've quite worked with quite some phenomenal athletes. So you, you go tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I was I was lucky enough to spend five years, uh, almost five years, excuse me, as the as the head of strength and conditioning, the head of performance for Team Ricky Hatton, based up in Manchester. Uh, I, I was responsible for looking after all of the team, all of their performance needs, and quite a few of the young boxers that I also looked after. Ricky was coming towards the end of his career at that at that stage. I was still involved in in the last kind of, you know, one or two. Um, uh, you know, particularly his final fight didn't go well, but there we go. You know, we live and learn from that one. But um, <laughs> and uh, I, you know, so I was responsible for looking after Anthony Crawler, who went on to win a world title. Um, Scott Quigg, who went on to win a world title. Ryan Burnett, who went on to win a world title. I also worked with Tony Bellew for a short period of time, particularly at the beginning of his career, who's done phenomenally well and has now become a real TV personality. Currently on SAS, who dares wins at the minute. Yeah, I've been watching. I need to catch up a little bit, but yeah. It's just... Yeah. My young tennis player, Liam Brody's turned professional. He's made Wimbledon three times now. Uh, I'm still involved with him. And, I, and I've, I've gone on to work across a whole range of sports. I was involved through my friend Darren Roberts with the Red Bull Extreme programme for a period of time, working with extreme sport athletes. Uh, into working with uh, quite a few footballers as well. Um, the nature of football, that is probably the most difficult sport for me to talk about in terms of the legalities and NDAs and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. I, I've, I've kind of worked across a, a whole cross-section then of sports, uh, initially working on the sports science and strength and conditioning kind of model. Um, but then as, as, you know, as like with, with anybody, athlete or not, what you realise, I think, with a little bit of experience is that it's all about um, understanding people and getting to know the athlete as a person. So I, I do a lot more of the coaching and the mindset kind of stuff as well. Yeah, fantastic. So just to quickly finish off on, on like you and your story, is there anything in your 
background in, in your your fitness personal fitness now that you've ever struggled with or what are the things that push you off kilter if you like or, or it just came down to like people being human and people looking at people and thinking actually they must have things sorted have you had any challenges in your fitness journey yeah, I mean, the, the, the two sports I played the most was combat sports, if you even play combat, but that's probably <laughs> a talk for for another day. But um, combat sports and football, and, and the, the problem I had in combat sports, too, it was I used to block punches with my face, and that, and that wasn't particularly helpful, you know. I, I just wasn't as good as I thought I was. Um, but football in particular, you know, I was pretty good. Um, but there was two. There was two kind of struggles that I had, that, and the first one led to the second one. Uh, the second one was that I, when I started to push and play up the higher levels, I I suffered with my confidence and my self confidence. But that was caused and underpinned by I, as a child, I was quite heavily asthmatic. Um, so in order to kind of the doctor who was looking after me at that time had always sort of drilled into me to get fit, get fit, get fit, you know, and improve your lungs and your heart and lungs and, and so forth. And, and long story short was that I trained very, very hard. I was very, very disciplined. Um, I would never cut corners. I would always give 100%. And for whatever reason, I, I was always quite fast. But then for whatever reason, I really struggled with endurance and recovery. I would get um, a, a lot of cramps, a lot of muscle soreness. And I just couldn't get as fit as some of the people I was playing against. And um, no matter how hard I tried, and, and some of them would would perhaps, you know, maybe maybe or maybe not train to the level or with the level of discipline I had, but they could, you know, were, were fitter, faster, stronger than I was. Um, that affected me on my journey in terms of the level of sport I could play at. And, and of course, as I said, it then affected the level of confidence because I started to then uh, question myself during games and stuff. Yeah, that's interesting about that. I talk quite a lot about that comparison with others. And one of the biggest things I do now as part of the Time Buster training um, platform, if you like, is talk very simplistically about fitness and health because just keep it simple. And we talk about your fitness journey being like your fingerprint. It's unique to you. And, and I think quite a lot of people, and we deal with a lot of people who are anxiety-ridden and confidence-struck um, with actually doing something, just actually stepping and doing the first step in fitness. So that's interesting to hear that from your point of view. Thank you very much. So moving forward, um, obviously, I, I was chatting to you before about um, we deal with, well, obviously, you've dealt with world champions, high elite-level athletes. Um, perception from some people and we're going to have some people on um, in a couple of weeks about who on the face of it look like it's easy and they're, they're smashing it um, have you got any stories regards to and I know it comes down to a lot of the um, thing in elite sport with mindset and setting yourself um, the physical side is potentially something that they've just had over a period of time um, anybody, anything that you've got that sort of says to people that everybody you'll work with is human and they've had their physical struggles as well, obviously not naming any names or anything. Yeah, I mean, Muhammad Ali made the famous quote that I hated every day of training, something like, but I decided to suffer now and live the rest of my life as a champion. It was uh, 
should know that really, but um, you know, <laughs> it was something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. What he said, and I, I think there is an assumption from you know many of us, um, and you know we know what they say about assumptions and assuming, but there is an assumption that pro athletes like training, that that, that they that you know what's wrong with me? Oh, I wish I could like training. You know the way a pro athlete does. I wish I could enjoy it and and get as fit as they they can and da 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 da. Um, and, and in the main, in my experience, from a lot of the athletes I I've come across, they like to win. They like to compete. However, they don't overly like the the training and the processes to to get them there because they're human beings just like all of us. You know, they uh, they want to eat some treats sometimes, or they want to have a meal out and, and you know and you know football is is, is a good one because uh, I mean of course you know I'm not certainly not suggesting we should give footballers any sympathy or anything like that <laughs> but you know the, the point I'm saying is you know New Year's Day they play a game they play right through Christmas da, 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 da. but they're human beings like, like we are they want to eat nice food or tasty food they sometimes can't be bothered to train uh, quite often, more than more often than not, can't be bothered to train. They get sore, they get achy, uh, they get tired. Um, and and I think if I revert it then over to boxing, because uh, boxing is and the mindset of a boxer is is fascinating. That's probably something we could speak about, you know, with yeah, subjects in itself. But um, with the, with many of the boxers that I've come across, again. The training is grueling. You know, it's very, very, very difficult. It hurts their body. They're sparring constantly. They're constantly pounding roads and, and whatnot like that. And again, there might be this assumption that they've, you know, got this sort of warrior mentality all the time and that they're fighters and it's there all the time. And I can assure you it absolutely isn't. They have, you know, highs, lows, days when they feel, you know, really alpha, really on top, top of the mountain. Than other days when they're full of self-doubt. Um, but the biggest thing I've noticed, particularly in, with, with boxers, it's all about their ability to access the reward for the sacrifice. Okay. So you've got your kind of three basic learning styles, haven't you? Visual, auditory, kinesthetic, of which the boxers will fall into one of those three. And the visual, man or woman, because, you know, female boxing is... is, is, is here to stay and it's very popular and, and getting more and more popular the visual reward you know i'm sick of this training it's hurting my body blah 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 but i can see myself holding that belt above my head and that's that visual the the, the, the visual learners connect to that visual reward the audio or auditory learner you know, i hate training my body's hurting but i want to hear the guy or the girl on the microphone say my name as the world champion yeah, and then the kinesthetic, same as hate the training, but they got that feeling of that winning punch landing and that winning blow landing, and then and they'll tell you that they can feel the punch that they're going to win with, and it's the ability to access the rewards that keep them going through their struggles. Yeah, that's really that's really interesting, and that can really make people who are listening think about which one are they, and. What can they focus on? Because again, we're individual. I think that's knowing, knowing yourself. Because um, working with somebody external, as we know, is great for accountability. And um, working one to one with somebody is obviously the gold standard. 
um, having a community. That's why the boxing with the communal setting of having each everybody in, in it together, aren't they? It's not necessarily just, as you know, it's not just the boxer and the trainer, is it? It's the whole um, environment that you're creating. Absolutely. I call it the jigsaw. And there's different pieces to the jigsaw. Oh, interesting. I like that. Yeah. So, how, so just from that link, that's just one element. What sort of things, like, if you were to put a, like, not, what I'm saying is that that's just one element. How do you build that on a regular basis? So, how do you cement that? Um, and you know, do you have to approach that in different directions? Or is it just the one thing that you go, if you're visual, you just go back to if they're struggling, can you see what this is for? And that, that's it. Or do you have to do lots of different variations? Yeah, like anything, sometimes we disconnect with our goals. We disconnect with our ability to access the reward. And, and, and of course, we may, you know, we're, just because we're a visual learner doesn't mean we are solely a visual learner. We can still learn from, you know, kinesthetic and auditory as well. So, um uh, but normally we have a primary one, I think, don't we, that, that we kind of access the most. Uh, so it, it, when someone's disconnected, there's, there's a million ways, you know, that we can get them to a point of reconnection. I think but the biggest thing sometimes is not to force things, is just to step back. And and again, we talk as coaches, don't we, about being nice to ourselves. That's something that we're trying to work with, and I certainly try and work with, with athletes who are, predominant you know very driven often uh, when they're connected and then when that that disconnect happens it's like oh shit excuse my language what do what do i do what do i do now and it's i i'll often just say to, you know get them just to step back just relax rest you know we know about and we talk about in training and, and um the 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 progress is made in recovery um that sometimes that we just need to step back and just chill out you know recover and then we might revisit it again another day or, or another day after that. And if that method doesn't work, that's okay. We'll, we'll revisit it again. That's really interesting because I was going to ask you a question then about that in a way that we want instant results, don't we? Um, and that's the same, presumably, in, in athletes. They're, they're necessarily a little bit different because they have something in a fight in six months or a race in a, a per periodic um, Olympic cycle or, or something. But sometimes you do have to step somebody back don't you and just be it's consistency over time that's going to get you the reward at the end yeah you know um patience isn't often an athlete's strong point um but if we go back to what i was saying a second ago about being nice and i bring in the message for all of us here that the smart principles and the principle of being realistic is, is ageless and timeless and it always will be and we sometimes have to remind athletes that, you know, that, that they're not going to become a world champion overnight. That the champions are, are created and built over years and years and years. And, and the lessons and, and the feedback is often learned in the failure. And, you know, and a big saying that we, we have is, there's no such thing as failure, only feedback, you know. So that, that we encourage them to be nice to themselves, to be patient, to be realistic with their goals. And, and those basic principles, and I think there is the, one of the questions I get asked is, you know, what, what is for this all singing, all dancing training plan that the pro athletes follow? And, and if I'm going to give that to a member of general pop, then that's going to give them what they need. And 
or an all singing, all dancing nutrition plan, and it, and it is not like that. We we master the basics and and the the principles are the same for all of us, and it's reminding ourselves as as you know as a working father which I am, um, you know as as a, as a mum of two children who also runs a house and works part time or the dad who who runs the house or works part time you know um, is that we we've got you know our performance jigsaw just like an athlete's got there performance jigsaw you know their pieces may be different to our pieces their challenges may be different to our challenges but we've all got our own pieces of the jigsaw and um, you know sometimes as as a working man a working woman uh, a family man a family woman it can't always be optimum and you know what that's okay yeah i love that analogy of the jigsaw it's um it's fantastic so just quickly, we've got 30 seconds left. What does the future look like for you? What, what's going on in the next six weeks, six months? Uh, I'm doing a lot of homeschooling with my, with my lad. Um, um, we've got a lot of quality time with him. So we've been training together, spending loads of time together. So, uh, but trying to progress work, more, uh, more online stuff for me, more athlete work, uh, trying to keep myself fit and healthy and all that as well. Uh, I'm absolutely not perfect. You know, but I do my best, which is what I encourage everyone to do. Uh, more seminars, um, hopefully more sun. It's sunny here in Manchester, and there is the time. <laughs> There's the timer, but what a bombshell to finish on. It's it's sunny in Manchester. <laughs> Can't believe it. It's absolutely amazing. I've seen some of your training, and it's great, and it's fantastic to see, even though the, the joy of social media now, to see your leg really progressing in his technique as well. Yeah, I am. Um, I'd obviously, I'd, sorry, I know the time's up now, but, I, you know, the, the, one of the big things, and again, just find a little nugget for everyone, is about finding something that finding something that you love. Now, during lockdown, I've been reminded on a personal level just how much I like bike riding, which is something I'd, for whatever reason, disconnected with. My my little lad loves combat sports, um, and, and as long as he's enjoying it, then that's all that matters. Yeah, a great message at the end. Awesome. So, Rick, thank you so much. I'm going to be putting your um, contact details in the, in the um, links below here. So if you enjoyed that, guys, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you're listening to this as a podcast, give us a review and follow us. And we'll be having another episode coming out next week. So, Rick, finally, thank you so much for your time today. My and um, thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye.